0: I think theology for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach.
1: <laughs> I think you shouldn't question
0: what you were taught in church. Isn't that blasphemy
1: or something?
0: Theology. Theology. Unplugged. Okay. Welcome to Theology Unplugged. This is Michael Patton. And we have a special time this time we have a special guest we have uh, my son who's with us I've been trying to get him to do this with me for a long time he will jump in and uh, help me out actually I'm gonna teach to you all but I'm also gonna teach to him don't forget to subscribe if you're on YouTube don't forget to hit that Bell and you will get message a message every time that I post something new and welcome welcome to all of you who are coming just through theology unplugged and um, you you (laughs) get. I did a Theology Unplugged earlier today. I was laying in bed. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and I thought about it until 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, and then I just decided I jumped up and do it. No preparation, no nothing, except for what I was thinking about. Got real excited about it, and did a 45-minute Theology Unplugged, but you'll never hear that one. This is the redo of it with Will in front of me. Will, my son, say hi, Will. (laughs) Hello. Hello. All right, he kind of sounds like me, so don't get us mixed up. Can you just do your regular voice so you sound like you have a high voice uh, instead of trying to deepen it like you're cool?
1: I, I don't possess the ability on camera. I mean, if you <laughs> catch me off guard, I'll be able to do it. But
0: He's sitting over here. We did not get the camera set up for him, but uh, maybe he'll stick his head in a little bit later, but his hair is kind of wild right now.
1: Yeah, I was trying to take a nap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to talk... About here, I'm just going to face towards you. Will I'm going to talk about a group called the Hazadim. Now, you you understand the basic overview of the Old Testament to where you have the creation of Israel, and then you have the law given to them, and they were supposed to do all kinds of things that they never did do, and then they had various kings: King David, King Solomon, King after King after King, and none of them did well, right? Yeah. Well, in the Old Testament law. In Deuteron- Deuteronomy 28, it gives a list of blessings and curses. God says, hey, if you keep all the law, your land will be perfect all the time. You will always have food. You will always be protected. But if you break the law, then there's a big list of curses. And all these curses are basically, I'm going to kick you out of the land until you get everything straight, right? And this happened. I mean, you had you had them just coming into the land from Egypt. And they were in Egypt in exile for a little bit came back got into the promised land lived there for maybe what uh, 600 years 700 years never did never followed the law never fulfilled it at all they got exiled half Israel got exiled in 722 the other half in 586 and so you have them going to King Nebuchadnezzar King Nebuchadnezzar comes takes all their kids and takes half the people from Israel into Babylon, they're in Babylonian captivity this happened for a couple hundred years and so uh, finally at the very end of the Old Testament Nehemiah, you have Nehemiah and Daniel and all those stories but they are finally released from Babylon after a few kings later and they go back to Jerusalem kind of with their heads down thinking what are we going to do then starts the 400 year period, we call this the 400 silent years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And during these 400 silent years, think of this, all the people got together of Israel, all these people who've actually wanted to follow God, all these people who learned their lesson and they're like, gosh, God, you know, it was true that what the Bible said, and now we had to go into exile, let's make sure that doesn't happen again, right? I'm gonna tell you about this group called the has and I want you I don't know whether you're gonna do it automatically or if I need you to do it I'm not really sure but I'll bring it back around to that but compare this to compare these groups to the groups with throughout all the time especially today it'll be interesting for you and I'll, I'll explain more as we go so a group called the Hazidim. And I'm not sure what that uh, name means it may mean the may mean the the Hasidim, uh, the Hazodim, the, uh, the devoted ones, something like that, right? The uh, the ones that are really eager to do what's right, right? You've got the Hasidim who comes together and they all ask questions. You see, they got their land back, right? Yeah. But here comes uh, 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 Alexander the Great and the Greeks. They took the land. But they didn't make him leave. They were still living in the land, right? And so as they come back, they know they don't have the land themselves, but they are back in the land, and they don't want to get exiled again. And so they get together. Picture them all huddling up, this Hazadim, all these devoted Jewish people coming back and wanting to do what's right finally. And they huddle up, and they say, what can we do? Let's make sure this never happens again, right? Yeah. We've got to be able to stay in the land, uh, uh, not get exiled anymore, not have the curses come upon us anymore. So we really have to follow God's law. So they really tried to decide, this was the most devoted group. The temple was rebuilt, because we got the temple in the New Testament, Jesus went to the temple. Uh, The temple was rebuilt, and um, these people were trying to follow the law. But they disagreed in the Hazardim. You had three different factions in the Hazardim one said this all right guys the greeks are here they have polluted our temple we cannot follow the law they're not trying to do bad they're not trying to say yay we don't have to follow the law they're saying we cannot do it here we cannot truly be devoted cuz they won't let us be devoted i mean they they've got we've got their flag hanging we got their coin uh, their king on our coins so everything in jerusalem is polluted let's go somewhere else and follow the law the best we can okay these became the essenes and you don't necessarily have to remember this name but i think it's interesting you've got the essenes and these are the ones that went to the dead sea dead sea community you know the dead sea scrolls
1: never heard of it
0: No. you know the dead sea scrolls oh my god don't say that out loud (laughs) <laughs> but no, it's not that important right now. It just has to do with the manuscripts. We found in 1948 what are called the Dead Sea Scrolls. Little guy, The shepherd guy was walking along with his sheep, and he saw all these caves, and he was throwing his rock into one of the caves to see if his sheep fell it or went in there and, you know, hit it and... Bah! But uh, he threw it in. He heard breaking, so he goes up there and looks, and there's all these documents, tons and tons of documents of the Old Testament, plus the uh, other writing as well. But this was from the Hasidim. They kept these, all these documents. They read much. They had uh, even the Book of Enoch was there. But we have an old Isaiah scroll. It's called the Isaiah scroll, and it goes back 400 years before Christ. That's where you got Isaiah 53, where just a prophecy about Christ is perfect. And we have the documents that date 400 years before Christ, where it talks about him being crucified for our sins or dying for our sins and raising from the grave and everything. But anyway, that's a different story. We'll talk about that some other time. The thing I want you to remember here is these guys went somewhere else to follow the law, right? Yeah. And they were very devoted
1: so, so the group split up though, like.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you're gonna split. They didn't, they
1: didn't stick together though, like in the same land. I mean, you said there was like just different viewpoints. Different
0: viewpoints. So the Essenes went off to a different land. Yeah. Okay. Now you got two people in the land. I mean,
1: do they have a? So I guess that's why they have a different name because they're not really a part of the same group.
0: Talking to that. They're what not mean? really
1: like a part of the same group anymore since they split off from it though. Yeah, that's
0: right. That's right. But originally they were, and okay. they were just trying to figure out how to do this. The second group, um, you had. The, here's the way they thought. They said, listen, the Romans are here. By the time of Jesus, it was the Romans. The Greeks and the Romans are here. It's God's will for them to be here. They're doing a lot of stuff that is very beneficial. You know, their money system, the roads they're making. So this must be something we are to get involved in. But not only did they say, let's get involved in it. They said, let's adjust our thinking a little bit. Maybe our theology and the way we do things. Um, and And they wanted to kind of live as the Greeks did. They were, they were ready to integrate. They said, let's integrate, let's mix in. Let's do the same things they're doing and see them as blessings from God. So they were going to the bathhouses, which, you know, were just kind of a weird place back then, and uh, bathhouses and the, the festivals, uh, you know, the Olympic-type things. They were going to all the festivals of the gods, or at least allowing them. And so they still worship God, Yahweh, but they integrated their acts and their thinking along with the uh, people that's already in the land, right? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you the name of them in just a second, okay? Okay. Then there was a third group. And that third group, if you can think of it, you have one far to the right, one far to the left, and there's one right in the middle. Yeah. And the one right in the middle said, no, let's do our best. We have to stay in Israel, but we also have to follow the law. We don't like that people are here. We don't like what the Greeks are doing, what the Romans are doing. And one day God will bring in somebody that will overthrow mm-hmm. this. But let's follow the law to the letter uh, while we are in Israel. And they did; they followed the law to the letter. So much so that every law that they had, if you were if you were following the Sabbath, don't work on the Sabbath. That was part of the law, right? Yeah. They said they put all these rules up, like you you cannot even uh, spit on the ground on the Sabbath because you're foot might go across it and it might be considered plowing yeah so i mean it was just crazy how many things they had it was it and it's not only that all these things they built around the law to protect the law right i mean they've got the law here and they say how do we know whether we really broke it so let's just then they make it kind of harder and harder uh to to uh to not break the law i mean uh in every way to break it i mean you see what i'm saying yeah so, they built a wall around the law to protect the law, and the wall itself became a law, right? Okay. So you have that group, and that group, the other group over here, that were the integrationists. You got the separationists, the integrationists, and then the uh, preservationists. Maybe yeah. yeah, that was pretty good. The uh, but the uh, the separationists were called these Essenes. The Integrationalist, you have any idea what they would be called? No, they are called the Sadducees. Yeah, you know how the Bible talks a lot about the Sadducees. Yeah, then the one in the middle were called the Pharisees.
1: Okay,
0: so you have the Pharisees, the Sadducees, yeah. and the Essenes. And so the Pharisees and Sadducees didn't like each other because the Pharisees looked over the Sadducees and they thought they were compromising, which indeed they were in a lot yeah. of ways. And then the Sadducees would look at the Pharisees and go, you're just stupid and naive. Yeah. You still believe all this stuff. Um, let's advance with the culture. Mm-hmm. And so they, they fought quite a lot, so much so that many times in the, in the Bible you have uh, Jesus being in the middle of them fighting, right? One of them was, one time, one time uh, the, the scribes, the Sadducees and the Pharisees came up to Jesus. They said, all right, tell us this. Because it was kind of an old argument that they use, You know, the same arguments that we use sometimes over and over again within a culture. Like, uh, if God is real, how do you explain evil? You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Well, they came up, they said, uh, the, the Sadducees used to make fun of the Pharisees. And you still believe in the resurrection of the dead? Yeah. And, um, and they said, yes, of course we still believe in the resurrection of the dead. And the Sadducees will go, okay, tell me this. A man dies and he leaves his wife. And according to the law, his brother marries her, right? Mm-hmm. That's how the law was yeah. uh, made up. Uh, and the, But his, uh, that brother dies as well. And according to the law, the next brother marries her. And then he dies as well. And then finally, the next brother marries her. And they say, which wife will she be, mm-hmm. right? And so they were trying to show that the resurrection couldn't be true because he would have too many wives in heaven, yeah. right? And Jesus doesn't, I mean, he, he doesn't even deal with their their issue of uh uh explaining it really he just says uh there won't be any marriage in heaven or at least it won't be like we have it today right yeah and but he said you're foolish and you don't believe the word of god if if uh, the bible says after abraham died that god is the god of abraham is he the god of the living or the dead If if they're calling him the God of Abraham, of course, Abraham is still alive, even though he's dead. But he basically was arguing with the Pharisees. He agreed with the Pharisees in their theology, disagreed with Sadducees, who thought there wasn't any resurrection. That's why they were so sad, you see? (laughs) (laughs) You'll remember that forever now. But uh, so you you have Jesus agreeing with them, but... Also, you have him fighting with the Pharisees. Because the remember the wall that the Pharisees built up? The thing yeah, that I've said that around, yeah, around it. Around the laws. Yeah, and it became the law. He, w- he was always telling them, hey, why are you worried about spitting on the ground whenever you're not worried about resting on the Sabbath? The Sabbath was made for resting, and you don't even care about that. You just care about all your little bits and pieces that make it impossible to live, to where you can't even pick grains as you're walking by on the sabbath and eat them if you're hungry so jesus was he he agreed with the basic theology of the sadducees but he did not like their legalism they were legalistic that all they cared about was the little side laws that protected the inside laws. Mm -hmm. And then they would neglect the weightier, Jesus said one time, you neglect the weightier things of the law, the things that are more important, like showing mercy to people, you're scared of whether you're going to spit on the ground or who's spitting on the ground. And so none of the groups did real well in the Bible. The Pharisees were the closest to theologically right, but at the same time, they didn't do things right either because they were legalistic so you got the separationist which you don't really see john the baptist may have been a a scene uh, he may have been a separationist you got the separationist the integrationalist and the preservationist and jesus comes right in the middle of them and basically just rocks everybody's world right he comes into this society and everybody's talking whenever he teaches the temple the first time everybody starts talking and saying, who is this guy he speaks differently, and he speaks with great authority. Everybody marveled at Jesus' teachings. Of course, I'm sure we would, right? But a, he just taught differently. That was one of the main things that they thought about. Nobody teaches like this. And so he goes around, he gains a following from this, but he's always fighting with all uh, both of these groups, the two that were in Jerusalem. And, uh, like I said, agreeing more theologically with the Pharisees, but still fighting with them because they only cared about their rules around the law. Now, my argument here is this, that every culture has their Essenes, their Sadducees, and their Pharisees. Every culture, every religious culture especially, every church area, you can name the, the, every type of person, will follow in one of the footsteps. If you're a religious person, if you're a Christian, I could ask you and say, which one are you? Are you a Essene? Are you a Sadducee? Are you a Pharisee? Where do you have the tendency to go? Because all of us have the tendency to go one of these places. Let me give you an example. Can you think of anything within the Christian culture, even in Christian America here, that would be like the Essenes and they say, we're not sticking around the way things are going. We're going off by ourselves, and doing everything by ourselves.
1: Yeah, Protestants, Reformation.
0: What, what 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 kind of Protestants? Have you have you ever seen any of that? They're just so, they're so scared of doing anything like the world is doing. If the world does it, we don't do it.
1: No, I can't think of any examples. There,
0: the there are examples. groups. There are groups that. Um, are within Christianity, within Protestant Christianity as well, they have separated themselves so much they won't use electricity.
1: Oh, like Amish? Yeah, yeah, they won't
0: use electricity, they won't use cars. Why? Because the people do it. Because that's that's the world. And they define the world so differently and they don't really ever come up with, well wait, why is it wrong? Why is electricity wrong? Why isn't it a blessing? That kind of stuff. It's just because the world does it. And if the world does it, the further we stay away from it, the more we won't break it, right? Yeah. Okay, so you have them, and you have those in our culture today. And it may not be so, you may not be the type of person that is so radical, and you, you may not say, let's go live in a different town, but let me give you an example. Maybe you are a Christian, and you say, that this <laughs> this will make some people mad, because it's, I think it's a good illustration. I'll go more extreme first. Uh, you may be a Christian. You say, I, I'm i not going to go to the university, right? Yeah. Because um, it's just too much, too many unbelievers, too much bad teaching. I know there's legitimacy to that as well. But I'm going to start my own school. And it's going to be a Christian school. Yeah. And that Christian school will teach the way that we're supposed to teach. You see how they kind of create a new community? Yeah. And they don't do anything else. There, there's he goes so far sometimes as um, there's there's Christian telephone companies. You know, mm-hmm. you have to use a Christian telephone company. You go to Christian school. You go to a Christian church. Uh, you try to find a Christian job. And sometimes that's what we do. We may not as be extreme as the scenes, but we get ourselves out of town in every way we can. Yeah. I'm not gonna have any friends at all that aren't Christians, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah. I'm not going to do anything the Christians do. Now, you have the Essenes who leave town in order not to, but the people who are within town, they do the same type of thing. Well, I'm going to live among the unbelievers, but I'm just going to make sure I separate myself from everything they do. And if it even if it's even possible that what they're doing breaks the law or isn't Christian, then I'm going to stay away from that. Now, you have people that do that as well, right? Yeah. I mean, think about it. You have uh, people who say, I don't go to the movies. I don't play cards. I don't, uh, I mean, it may not be I don't drive vehicles, but I'm going to use a Christian phone company. I'm going to, you know, use a Christian, go to a Christian school, those kind of things. So they're isolating themselves within, so they're insulating themselves within the culture. And again, they're kind of separationalist, right? Yeah. And then you also have the Christians who represent the Sadducees. Can you think of people like that?
1: Yeah, just like uh, people who, like, Christians try to follow, like, modern woke movements and stuff. Like, Yeah,
0: yeah, that's right. You, uh, we have so many of those. People who are just like, they they think just like the Pharisees do. Maybe we've got it wrong. Yeah.
1: I, I feel like usually when I those, it's less of, like, thinking, maybe we got it wrong, and more so just, like, trying to adapt to the society as a means of evangelizing, if that makes
0: it makes sense. It is, you're right. That's exactly right. Instead of instead of it being a pure motive, like I'm trying to keep it right, they're more just scared yeah. of being looked down upon. Because the Sadducees did love it. They love the positions that the Romans would give them. They love the prestige that the Romans allowed them to have. Yeah. And so you have this within our society as well, where you have people who move far, far outside, or maybe even not that far outside, they just compromise. Mm -hmm. They compromise their beliefs. The Sadducees had bad beliefs. Remember, Jesus agreed with the Pharisees. He just didn't like the wall that they built up in their legalism. The Sadducees, he thought, you know, these people have compromised. They don't even believe the word of God anymore. And so... Within Christian, I see this all the time, and you may see this as well, and I know we've talked about this before, you got, but you've got such an issue today with, with the gay movement, with the transvestite movement, and you have so many people today that are Christians, I'm finding, that are willing to compromise, and easily do compromise, and find a way to make something like the resurrection that's very clear something in the Bible that was very clear. They try to make some way to reinterpret the Scripture so that we can, you know... I mean, maybe they don't have the idea of I'm trying to be cool, but some of these people really may have a good heart and say, I really want these people to love the Lord, and I want to uh, consider that I might be wrong. Right? Yeah. So, um, uh, that the main thing I wanted to say... I think it's I think it's cool is that no matter what you can always find this whenever you go back to the 19th century you have um, the the rise of modernism or uh, it's already risen for a long time but in the 19th century industrialism and you have the same thing happen in the 19th century where you have of course the Amish who run off you have us who stay in and we become fundamentalists and the fundamentalists were no different than the Pharisees you've heard the the uh, the terms fundamentalism, evangelicalism, liberalism. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. So you got fundamentalists who are further, the, they're the ones who would separate. They have more of a tendency to separate. You have the liberals who have more of a tendency to integrate. Yeah. And then you have the people in the middle, which are supposed to be the balanced ones. And this is the, this is how evangelicalism started. Evangelicalism started as a reaction to liberalism, who were all compromising, and you know, and didn't believe the Bible was inspired anymore. Didn't believe in miracles because science say there can't be miracles. But we're still Christians, and they were saying, "Yeah, of course we're Christians." And denominations after denominations fell into this into the into the 19th century. yet Harvard, Princeton, Yale, all of whom are traditionally Notre Dame, all of whom are Christian schools in their name, in their history, were started by the Baptists, the Presbyterians, the Congregationalists. Uh, and uh, they they were started there. They, they weren't trying to be separationists at that time. It's just everybody was a Christian, and so each denomination was starting one because they had the money to do it, right? Yeah. So you have uh, in the 19th century it all start to fall. Liberalism comes in, says, hey you believe the Bible? That's crazy!" You know, we already know science says there can't be a Bible that is inspired. We already know evolution says there doesn't have to be a God. And then they start scratching their heads and they say. All right, well, let's let's get on board with them, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, but aren't we Christian anymore? And they're like, yeah, as long as we love each other, that's what the main thing that Christ taught. As long as we follow Jesus in the sense of him being a great example, we don't have to believe he's God. We don't have to believe he's the only way. Then you have, then you have the reaction to them, which were the fundamentalists, who went to the other extreme and separated. So let's get away from society. Look what it's doing to these yeah. people. And they're the ones who, I mean, even my school, Dallas Theological Seminary, was started at that time in response to it. Which Dallas Theological Seminary was very fundamentalistic in the beginning. And they separated. They, so whatever the Romans do, we're not going to do. When in Rome, do, do what the Romans do. That's one side. The left. And whatever the Romans do, don't do what they do. So they hated it all. Separationist. And then Billy Graham, which of course you've heard of Billy Graham some, he, di- he died not too long ago, but he was a big part of, of my life. He was, a, he was just, the, everybody knew who Billy Graham was. He was a major leader. And Billy Graham was a fundamentalist, or at least he came from fundamentalism. See, fundamentalism didn't start bad. They were just responding to all these people who were compromising, right? Yeah. But fundamentalism moved further and further to the right, and fundamentalism, think of the name, The Fundamentals. If they would have just stuck with that, it would have been better. But they did the same thing. They built a wall around the fundamentals to protect the fundamentals. And so, I mean, it got it gets so bad sometimes. If you're not, you don't belong. If you're not Church of Christ, you're not a Christian. If you're not, you know, a Roman Catholic, you're not a Christian. Yeah. Well, the Catholics, have been that, that's a whole different story. But uh, you have a response with Billy Graham. Billy Graham is a representative of kind of the first evangelical. And. Billy Graham, in 1951, was invited to go to New York to preach at what's called the World Council of Churches. And the World Council of Churches was a very, very liberal group. They were far to the left. They were the Sadducees. And so you had this other side say, what are you going to do? What are you going to tell them? You know, I mean, you can't go there and preach because you can't compromise And Billy Graham did something so great and is illustrative to me and will always influence me. But he said, wait a minute. I want to go anywhere and everywhere that I can where people need me, need the gospel, as long as they don't make me compromise. So he did go to the World Council of Churches. He preached, but he preached the real gospel, not the walled gospel, not the one that was separationist. He preached the real gospel, not the one that was liberal, and he be- he became at that point kind of the leader of an evangelicalism. And evangelicalism said, hey, listen, we know that there are essentials. We know that there are things that are absolutely clear we do not compromise, but we also know the culture isn't all bad. God made the culture. We're going to have culture whenever we get to the new earth. It will always be advancing. Yeah. So they were they were right in the middle. Um and, and in a sense, I'm not saying we are just based upon this story, but we're trying to be more like Christ, right? We're trying to come into a world that is all divided and stand up for the essentials at the same time, rock the world as far as the, the, the compromise, right? Because he did. He rocked the world as far as the compromise. He said, there is a resurrection from the dead. Yeah. And now you can also think of this, Will, in the form, you can think of it in anything, but think of it whenever it gets into politics. It's the same type thing.
1: Yeah.
0: You've got the far right, the far left, and then it's hard to figure out how to navigate in the middle yeah. or even if there is a middle anymore. Yeah. And I think that that's something, especially right now, because we've got such a <clears throat> time, everything has changed, to really think about.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, Kind of the way that I envision that is like you've got, you know, the Pharisees in the middle, a separationist off on the left, and then, um, you know, the Sadducees on the right. And they're all kind of, they're all, picture it, you know, they're in a line, they got a rubber band attached around all of them, right? Yeah. And the uh, Sadducees see the culture always moving to the right. The Sadducees see the culture always moving to the right, and their solution to the culture moving to the right is to stretch the rubber band to the right and try and bring the whole rubber band to the right to follow them because if the rubber band stretches too far, yeah. it's gonna break. Yeah. Um, so they want to follow them. And I think that the Pharisees want to stay right where they're put and let the rubber band stretch and hopefully it'll bring it back. And then you have the, you know, separationist and they want to run the opposite way to bring society back towards the center and try and stretch it this yeah, way yeah, yeah. to pull them back. Yeah. so I think it's just a matter of kind of they're all like attached in the same thing they just have different ways of keeping it in the same spot
0: yeah and it's not necessarily that they are you saying they don't always want people to go so far in that direction yeah it's you're, like, you're think, just pulling them just, yeah, just so you can get them all three you
1: know, all three groups are trying to keep you know society within the rubber band which i guess you could call christianity in general yeah. and so you know you're either going to run with them you're going to stay put and you know have resistance that way or you're going to run the opposite way and try and pull them back
0: yeah you know? You know, it's funny. But too much tension is going to break it. Well, you do. You do say that. And that's that's funny because it's it's really hard for us to defend our position, or or to hear somebody else defend their position. Let's say it's the, uh, the Sadducees, and then you're over here, like you said, you're far to the right, and it is so different than your position that you just dig your heels down in even more, right? Yeah. I'm not budging at all. I'm not even going to look at that side. Why? And then most of the time, it's not just because the other side doesn't have anything right. It's because the other side is so radical. Both sides are so radical. And often their attitudes are incredibly radical. And it makes them unable to talk to each other. Yeah. Unable, without getting the other side, with their heels dug in further than they would have ever been to begin with. Yeah. And Christ comes in and basically rocks both their worlds because of the way he challenged the Pharisees and the wall that they had built up and the wall became the law and the wall was the only thing they cared about anymore rather than the law itself. And then the compromisers who compromised everything and everything they believed didn't, it wasn't really true anymore. And I don't know how. He, I mean, I, <laughs> I would love to be there. All we have is a few illustrations. But we know that the way he did it they they talked about him teaching with authority and with grace. The way he did it was just as important as what he did or what what he was saying. Um, the 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 authority he taught with, the confidence that he taught with, and the grace he taught with. Because who did he go to? He went to those people. Everybody else wanted to go to. You see, the the Pharisee or the the further to the right you go, you won't go to anybody on the left, right? Yeah, because they're they're polluted, they, they, uh, they're they dirty, they're, they're uh, compromisers. And so you dig your foothills more in over there. Uh, but Christ came in, and what, what was he called? A friend of tax gatherers and drunkards. Yeah. Which is crazy. And the thing is, those tax gatherers and drunkards... They didn't really care about one side or the other. It wasn't that they were dug in. He wasn't. Any time he went to the extremes, they all hated him. Sadducees hated him. The hardcore Pharisees hated him. But all these people in the middle that were just mixed up, you know, they didn't. Maybe they had positions, but they didn't really care that much. They were just people who were deeply in need. And Christ said, "It's these people who need a physician. It's not the well who are needed of a physician. The people who believe they're well." And he was basically. Uh, uh, taking both the extreme sides and saying you guys don't think you're well so you won't listen to me but these people are in the middle they are the ones who need it and they need it the most and they will listen to something different and I don't know whether he did this in a sense of coming in, I mean he never claimed to be a Pharisee right? Yeah, He wasn't trained to be a Pharisee but I don't think he ever would have because he wouldn't wanna be, I mean, again, he would agree with the theology, but he wouldn't wanna be identified with their attitude, with their, with their hate, with their judgmental thoughts of other people because he didn't have those things. Yeah. So he comes into this society, I think it's important for us to look at and say, what's our society set up like? And what would Jesus do in this society? Where would he go and how would he act? How would he have an impact? See? Yeah. Okay. You got any questions? I mean,
1: I kind of see, like, I don't necessarily think Jesus has to be a Pharisee because, I mean, I think that all three of the groups, in their nature, are a, like, essence of humanity. Like, they want. if we were all perfect, if, you know, I've never bit from the apple, these groups wouldn't exist, we would all be, you know, unified regardless of opinion. I think that, Jesus doesn't have to fit in with one of those. I think he can kind of just be like a, I mean, I mean, same way with politics. You know, you don't have to identify with, yeah. you know, the middle, the right, yeah. or the left. You just have to, you know, you could form your own opinions and yeah. try to unify. I don't think he has to affiliate with any one of the three.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's intentional for him. Yeah. He, I mean,
1: I just see it as like a innate flaw in humanity, you know, separation. Mm-hmm. We just naturally want to separate and isolate ourselves from... Other groups, and you know, pick and choose, and
0: you well, know,
1: be one of ourselves. I guess
0: I mean, if we kept on going with this, we could definitely ask the question of how is it that each one of these groups are like exactly like today in our politics? And all I can do is say, uh, you know, think about it. Uh, tell everybody out there to think about it because I think you'll get and what would Jesus do with these groups how did he relate to the one that mirrors it in the Bible and how would he relate to it today because I think it'd be very much the same I think we would find ourselves in those groups I'm not saying everybody isn't I mean there, there are a lot of people out there that I think that are doing a good job and are more like Jesus but it's just easy we have the sinful tendency to go in one of these directions and we have to identify that and I think somehow if we find ourselves struggling in the middle, if we find ourselves ask, asking the question all the time, was that right for me to do that? Was that If it, if it was too easy, then it was probably not right. If it was too hard, it's probably not right. But if you're struggling within the middle, wondering whether or not you should have done it, that's probably the best place to be, you know? Yeah. I, I had Chuck Swindoll say that one time. It's like if you're struggling about it, this probably means it's right. So, take heart, those of you who are in a tough world, like we are. The world is very, very tough. And uh, I pray that this helped you guys out. And thank you, Will, for joining me. Yeah, no problem. Theology.